Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hello. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. Hallelujah. And he's got a great plan for you. Now, friends, I'm telling you, we are in a different era. And uh, there is an invitation into spiritual things now that, um, you know, uh, may or may not have been available to us uh, in yesteryears, but I'm telling you, in the progression, okay, we go from faith to faith, glory to glory, grace upon grace, strength to strength. In that progression, then there is uh, um, more to know, more to understand. There are greater demonstrations. You know, there's a synergy, come on, of things. Uh, you know, one thing builds upon another. You know, you, you have to lay a foundation first before you can begin to uh, build out a place. And there's been things being worked on through uh, throughout the years and, and, and different generations labored specifically for certain spiritual truths and understandings. And, and we have these things now that we're building upon and the synergy, you know, uh, you you take this, this is the grace upon grace. This grace, when it's combined with this grace, there is something produced um, because of the synergy of the two things that you weren't going to get when the two operated individually. And so there are uh, great expectation. Uh, we have great expectation for demonstrations and manifestations in our day. Hallelujah. The prophets have been saying, they've been telling us, they've been getting us ready that there would be such a demonstration because there would be a combination of the depth of the word and the depth of the spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, even as far back as Amy Simple McPherson, her very first sermon, I, I think she was 16, 17, 18. She was somewhere right in that age range. And her very first sermon, the Spirit of the Lord came on her, and she began to talk of this time where everything that the canker worm and the locust and the caterpillar, where things that had been destroyed, the enemy had targeted certain demonstrations. Those would be restored. Uh, other men like Lester Sumrall, Smith Wigglesworth, my own spiritual uh, grandfather, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, people like Ed Dufresne, many ministers, I mean, dozens and dozens, they all began to speak to this time where there would be a restoration and a great demonstration and a fullness of operation. The offices would function at 100% of their capacity. Imagine that. Imagine that, uh, that the gifts of the Spirit uh, would be demonstrated at, at, at full capacity and full power. Oh, my goodness, friends. These are amazing days to be living in. And uh, we want to prepare ourselves. We want to be postured we want to uh, be in the right place to be able to engage into these things and to be utilized in them. Hallelujah. So uh, we have talked about at our church, Grace City Church, and I may have uh, mentioned it a few times on, on the podcast recently, but there's a cost. There is a cost to these things, and it's not a cost of deprivation, uh, but humility is part of that cost. Self-control is part of that cost. Consecration is a part of that cost. 
and uh, we've been dealing with, um, you know, at our church, we've been talking about some of the things that are additions now, um, additional disciplines that will facilitate additional parameters and boundaries that will facilitate uh, the function of a double portion level anointing. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited just even thinking about it. This is, this is our work, friends. Uh, this is part of, uh, of what you and I are to do as we come into a glorious state. The, the bride is coming into glory. Come on, the, the, the building is, is about to receive its capstone and the fullness is going to be demonstrated. Uh, the body is coming into the full stature and pattern and measure of Christ. It's a glorious demonstration. It's getting dark out there. Oh, it's getting dark out there. Uh, the earth is uh, groaning still. And in some ways, it's groaning even more. Darkness is increasing. Uh, evil men and seducers and enchanters, uh, they are growing and increasing in number. But 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 no worries, friend. Uh, be, because... Uh, the glory of the Lord is rising upon us. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. I'm telling you, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter, even in, even unto the full of the fullness of the noonday, meaning it's at that point where it's the absolute brightest. That's the trajectory and the destination of the church, of the bride, the body, and the building. Those uh, major metaphors... Um, used in the New Testament to bring revelation of what he's doing. Hallelujah. And uh, we're just thankful to be a part of it, friends. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful to be a part of it? And if you're off center somewhere, left or right, make changes. Why, uh, why stay off in the sidelines when he's inviting you to get in the game? Hallelujah. I'm in the game, friends. I'm in the game. Hallelujah. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Yes. All right, so let's jump into this. Uh, this was on my heart, and I want to share this with you. So um, another requirement we could say is to make sure that you are developing a strong spirit. This is a requirement. A strong spirit is a requirement. All right, now I'm going to give you just a quick summary, kind of a synopsis here of a few things as we dig into this. Okay, so we know that Jesus came, all right? And uh, because of his death, burial, and then resurrection, you and I have, we had, if, if you're born again, if you're not, don't delay except Christ today. But you and I have been born again. There was nobody born again prior to him being raised from the dead. After he was raised from the dead, now... We could follow after, come on, the firstborn, okay? Go through that pathway and be born of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, in John, we found out, uh, you know, this guy's asking Jesus, and Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, well, how can I get back in my mother's womb? He said, no, 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 no. No, that's a natural birth. Um, you've got to be born of the Spirit. you got to be born again of the Spirit. All right, so now... That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are gone. Behold, all things are new. So we also have to know. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. All right, so that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now we have Jesus on the inside by way of Holy Spirit. Now a 
glory, the, uh, the uh, glory, okay, glory has now a definite pathway of restoration. You know, when Adam and, in, uh, Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the glory. They, they were clothed in glory. And when they sinned, suddenly they saw their nakedness because the glory had lifted, okay? So now that Jesus came, you and I can be born again. We're born of the Spirit now. There is a definite pathway to the restoration of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, okay? But it's not just a return to the glory that was. We found out that a greater glory shall be demonstrated in and through this new creation. And the Bible says that the glory of the latter shall be greater than the former. So whatever Adam and Eve had was great. But what we are receiving now through the second Adam, which is Christ Jesus, is even greater. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be absolutely amazing. We're living into these days. We're living into the actualization of that restored glory. Hallelujah. But not just restored. I mean, it's a greater demonstration of glory because now we're hidden inside of Christ. Thank you, Father. Now, we want to get on into, into that. And the way we get on into that is to develop, come on, the spirit man. Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5, 6. Excuse me, 5, 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now let's bring a little bit of clarity here. The flesh is referring to your flesh. The spirit here in this passage is referring to your spirit. I think King James capitalizes it, um, but actually it, it should probably be a lowercase s in this sense that it's not referring to Holy Spirit. It's referring to your spirit. So your flesh lusts against your spirit. Now the word lust uh, means to, uh, it's a focused passion. It means crave. It means to set its desire for a thing. So the Bible makes it very clear that your flesh sets itself against your spirit. Your flesh is contrary to your spirit. Your flesh uh, sets itself passionately against your spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the things of the natural man, uh, uh, when it considers spiritual things, that the natural man considers spiritual things foolishness. Now, the word foolish literally means having no mind for capacity. So it, it has no mind for spiritual things. So it's it has no capacity for understanding spiritual things. So whenever you try to get the flesh to agree with spiritual things, it'll simply say, I don't have the faculties to even understand what you're talking about. Therefore, it sets itself in opposition to spiritual things because it, 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 it can't understand it. So he's saying, listen, you've got to understand this. Part of growing up spiritually is to recognize that you don't have to 
keep inviting to the conversation the flesh. Natural things are not necessary to be consulted when you are considering spiritual things. He says they're contrary. And if you invite the flesh into a conversation, let, let's say that you're, you, know, you, you need to make a very serious decision here. And so if you say, hey, flesh, what do you think about this? And, uh, or, or let's, let's say you uh, say, spirit, what do you think about this? And then you say, flesh, what do you think about that? Well, the flesh is going to be contrary to the things of the spirit because it has no way, it has no faculties, it has no capacity to even begin to understand spiritual realities. Everything spiritual to the flesh is foolish. It's nonsense. It's non-sensible. It makes no sense to the flesh. The flesh is bound, if you were. It is it is bound inside of natural realities. It, it, it cannot even understand, comprehend. It, it has no sensibilities for spiritual things. Now, your spirit does. Um, but the flesh cannot agree. Like, it, it won't agree. It'll always be contrary to the spirit. Hallelujah. I hope, I hope you're getting that. And, uh, you know, you need to have that on repeat because we need to stop inviting the flesh into the conversation, uh, especially when it has to do with decisions that we're making or uh, a, a course of direction or a course of action. Uh, or, or, you know, if we believe that the, the word has said something to us or the Holy Ghost has said something to us, if, if you ask the flesh to confirm it, it won't. Let's say Holy Spirit says, I want you to give them 20 bucks. Well, flesh, what do you think about that? Well, all the flesh is going to do is simply remind you that you were wanting to, you know, buy candy uh, and eat the candy because the flesh loves the sugar rush. It, it will not, it cannot comprehend why you would give $20 to somebody else. The flesh is ambitious. It is selfishly ambitious. It is envious. It seeks its own. The flesh will not seek the benefit of somebody else. That principle, that law, that spiritual reality of give and it shall be given unto you, or even, you know, sacrificially love, that's not a concept of the flesh. That is a spiritual reality. The flesh just will be like, what? That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. The flesh wants to feel good itself. That's what it knows. Hallelujah. And so we don't lean in or trust in or rely on our own insight is what Proverbs says. We can go by way of the spirit and supersede the realities of, of the natural realm and get an insight. Come on, get vision from another perspective from a higher place and uh, make our decisions from there. Well, what I'm talking about for most people is foreign because they don't have a strong spirit. Therefore, they're flesh dominated. All right. Again, if you look at Galatians 5 and, and really throughout Galatians and even in Romans, okay, where it talks about the flesh and the spirit, it's not necessarily talking about Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit. The emphasis is when you were born again, your spirit is brand new. And now you are, you are a newborn spirit. You are a baby spirit that needs to grow and develop. Uh, God is not contrasting you with Holy Spirit. 
Um, he's saying, look, your born again spirit is going to want to take you this way, but your flesh is going to want to take you this way. And so one of them is going to be dominant. And he's saying, develop your spirit so that your spirit man will put everything in the proper order. You should be spirit that ha that utilizes or that has a soul, which is your mind, will, and uh, emotions, and you live in a body or a tent. And that tent, that body is to not have uh, a place of counsel because, again, it's only going to do what it wants to do. It, it doesn't understand spiritual things. And so Paul said you have to discipline it. You have to put it under and another place we're admonished to crucify it daily. You don't crucify your spirit because you're born again and you don't have to get born again, again, or again, you're born again. But the flesh part of you, the, the admonishment is to crucify it and its passions and desires daily. It, it, it never has a seat at the table. It constantly is being put under Paul said it like this. He said, I discipline it through hardships. I, sub I subject it to hardships. Uh, a, good old, a good old English word here would be um, he subjects it to afflictions. You know, and there are various religious practices where they believe in, in beating up the body. No, he's, he, he, he's not saying be this psychotic masochist that has some sort of weird you know, fetish with cutting and bleeding and beating and punching and bruising yourself. No, that's, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. If you do that, you're going to break your tent down and your tent's not going to be able to carry you to the finish line. But he, what he's, what he's referring to is the innate desire and the passions and the affections that the fleshy part of you, the natural part of you wants to try to exhibit because that's all it knows. Okay. And the body and the flesh is, uh, we could say it like this, is uh, bound to a spiritual condition called mortality. Now, there is a day, the Bible tells us that there's a day coming where we will exchange this body for a body like unto his, like unto Jesus. We will get a glorified body. That body has been freed from the spiritual condition called mortality. And the Bible says we will put off mortality and put on immortality. Now that body, it is a literal body. Uh, remember, they could touch Jesus. You know, they could feel him. They could touch him. That is a literal body, but it's free from the spiritual condition that binds it to the natural realm. That glorified body that body that is is in the spiritual state called immortality, it won't fight against you. Uh, its passions and desires will be uh, complementary to that of the spirit. Right now, though, our spirits are born again, but we're still in this body of mort mortality, and they're contrary to one another. So again, you put it under. You discipline it. You make it obey. You, 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 you put it into uh, situations that afflict it and remind it, if you will, and enforce the fact that this body is commanded to do as my spirit wills. And this body of flesh uh, will remain healthy, whole, and strong. That uh, comes out of my spirit and is ministered into this body 
But the reason why we have that provision is because this body has to carry me across the finish line. And that is exactly what it is going to do. It is not going to quit on me. It is not going to fail on me. It is not going to work against me. It is not going to speak against me. Come on. It is not going to do something unbecoming or that will grieve the spirit or my spirit. This body will carry me across the finish line. This body will help me run my race. And then as soon as my race is done, I will step out of this body. Come on. We will lay aside this tent. Oh, hallelujah. And what? Take upon a new body. Hallelujah. That's the promise. It's a promise. And uh, remind your body, you will work with me. You will maintain your proper place. Now, what we're saying is to, to develop a strong spirit, stop inviting the desires of the flesh, the fleshy part of you, the carnal part. Stop inviting that to the table where um, you, uh, you know, review your course of action, where you would re review decisions. Don't invite your body, don't invite the flesh into a place where it has a voice. Silence the voice of the flesh. All right. Now, there are two predominant ways you can live. According to Galatians 5 and 6, you can walk in the spirit or you can walk according to the flesh. Um, you can live according to the spirit, which is you. you. You are a spirit. You are not a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is mind, will, emotions. That's the basic, basic definition. And you live in a body. Paul called it a tent. Your body is a tent. You are not a tent. You are not a body and you are not a brain. You are not a brain floating in the ether. You are a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. The part that you and I see is the tent or the natural body. But if you look at somebody in the eye, the eyes are a gateway. If you look at somebody in the eye, you can, you can see them. You can see them. And they're looking out their eye gates. Their spirit man is looking out the eye gates, and we can see you. You can see me. I can see you. But when I look at you, I am predominantly, unless I'm looking into your eye, I'm predominantly just looking at your tent, your body, the, the physical uh, you. Um, well, it's not, it's not you, but it's the physical part that allows you to interact with this natural realm. But again, you, you are not a body. And see, a lot of people, they just they, they kind of throw all caution to the wind and they're just doing whatever their natural cravings are, whatever they're lusting after, and they're getting in all kinds of perversions and all kinds of crazy stuff. If you let the flesh go, if you don't restrain it, Galatians says that the works of the flesh are evident, meaning if you don't put restraint on the flesh, these are the uh, uh, evident, these are the eventual uh, perceptible, perceivable, tangible results of the flesh doing whatever it wants to do. And it lists it, it out there. Um, if you don't restrain that, then the flesh will produce the, those fruits. What is that? That is uh, Galatians 5. 
Um, I'm going to turn there. Oh, let's see here. He said in uh, Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, these things here are the uh, visible, tangible, uh, eventual. Uh, they can be evidenced. Okay, if you don't put restraints on the flesh, this is what is going to happen. This is the lusts of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Uh, one translation says witchcraft, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish, am selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders. It's murderous. Drunkenness, revel revelries, and the like. Uh, this is the New King James, so it's got kind of some old English words there. But um, if you get a modern translation and read, and read over that, what that is telling you is if you don't restrain the flesh, that's what it's going to do. That, that That's because this natural realm is infiltrated, James says, with a demonic, sensual, uh, lustful wisdom. The counsel in the natural realm has been so tainted by the influence of the enemy, the flesh only knows those things. And until you come out of that spiritual condition of mortality, and put on a new body that is um, uh, uh, in a completely different spiritual state, we would know it as immortality, then you've got to keep the flesh under or it will produce this fruit. All right, so that's why Paul said, I discipline it with hardships, I crucify it daily so it doesn't do these things. All right, most people though, okay, I'm taking the long route here, but most people have an underdeveloped spirit and an overactive flesh. And the mind is the mind was designed to agree with one of these two realities i kind of got ahead of myself here but galatians 5 6 and 16 and 17 it, it it expresses two pathways it's the life of the spirit or fulfilling the lust of the flesh but we said that you are a spirit you have a soul and you live in a body notice um that Galatians 5.16 doesn't list these three distinctives there. Other places do, but it, but it communicates that you're either spirit-led or flesh-led. This is because your soul plays an integral part, and the soul becomes the derivative of either a dominant, strong, and mature spirit or a carnal, fleshly, and sense-dominated body or flesh. So the mind was designed to agree, and what you want to do is allow the implanted word James says that the word, the word of God, it, it has an agency to it. And if you will allow that to get down on the inside of you, it has the power even into the saving or the renewing of the soul or, or of the mind. And what it'll do is it'll begin to strengthen you uh, to where your mind will agree with your spirit. Come on. And, and as, you're, as you feed your spirit, your spirit man begins to grow and your mind starts being renewed and these two work together and you'll put the flesh under. It'll get easier and easier and easier to be spirit led. It'll get easier and easier and easier to overcome the cravings of the flesh. Hallelujah. Now, let me throw this in because I had this in my notes, but some, sometime back I, I was ministering along, along these lines and uh, the Lord had brought up Moses 
and the situation in the wilderness where there was two uh, demonstrations and one of them was a very significant test. And at one point, the people were thirsty and the Lord said, Moses, take your staff, strike this rock. Remember this? Okay, so the first time he took his staff and he struck the, the rock and it was a supernatural miracle. Water, millions and millions and millions of gallons started gushing out of this rock. And uh, well, then that happened again. And, but at the next point, here was the significant test. Uh, the Lord said, don't strike it with the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. Well, what did Moses do? Well, he didn't speak to it. He struck it. Now, this happened twice, but he, he struck it with the staff. Now, God in his mercy, hallelujah, a miracle still happened. Water came out of the rock. But Moses did not pass that test, and because of that situation right there, he wasn't able to go on into the promised land. Well, there, there's, there's a lot with that story there, but here's the point that I want to make. Moses, listen, by the Spirit, he had instruction to do something, and it, it was so vivid what God was trying to do. He was demonstrating, number one, that all things are uphold, uh, upheld by the power of words, okay? So he said, speak to it. He said, I'm going to demonstrate something here. All of my power is in my words. And if you're going to get on over into the promise or walk in the fullness of the things of God, you're, you're going to eventually have to learn that all things are upheld by words. Okay. It's not by might, man's might, not by strength, man's strength, but what by my spirit says the Lord. Okay. And uh, anyway, so Moses failed that test, but here's what Moses did is he did what, what, most people do. Uh, I mean, he uh, failed in the same way that you and I would potentially fail, and it's he relied on the flesh. When he struck that rock instead of speaking to it, this is what the Lord said. He said that was a desire of the flesh. That was the lust of the flesh. Now, the lust of the flesh certainly includes immoral behavior, deviancies, you know, etc., but the desire of the flesh is also, listen to this, its dependency upon the natural realm. Listen, his flesh is freaking out. Now, he could kind of get it, right? Because he had the staff, something he could touch, he could smell it. Okay, it was a piece of wood. He could strike this rock. But the next test, he had to overcome his reliance upon the natural realm. He had to step up and act uh, in a way that would have been foreign to everything sensible by speaking to this rock. Hallelujah. But he failed because he gave in to the lust or the craving or the dependency that he was used to upon the natural realm, doing it in the strength or the arm of the flesh. So this is where you and I are, are, are going to uh, a next a, a next level. We're going into greater things. We're coming into the fullness, the full manifestation of the promises of God, but you're not going to get there. You're not going to walk there. You're not going to, you're not going to cross over into that if you're still relying upon the flesh. If the lusts or the cravings, listen, it's not just sexual deviancy. Okay. You understand, but the lust, the lust of the flesh is its, is its unwillingness almost to relinquish anything natural. Well, I'm telling you, it doesn't have the capacity to for faith. Faith isn't in the flesh. Faith isn't in the mind. Faith is in the spirit. 
This is why you got to put the flesh under. Even if Moses was like, there's no way, you know, his flesh is saying, what? Speak to this rock? He would have to say, no, silence yourself in the name of Jesus. The only thing you're going to do is, uh, is uh, uh, form, formulate, and speak forth out of the mouth and the tongue what my spirit is telling you to say. And, and there, there is no other considerations that I'm giving you. Unfortunately, again, he gave into the considerations of the flesh and it relied in the strength of that. And he missed that test. Listen, don't miss this test, friends. Don't miss the opportunity right now that uh, God is giving to us to cross over from our confidence and reliance upon the flesh into a spirit-dominated reality that supersedes natural law. The spirit realm governs, governs the natural realm. He was saying, Moses, I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to show you something. All things are upheld by words. And if you'll speak, if you'll say what I'm telling you to say, you will, you will experience how that realm, which is unseen, unseen doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but you'll see how that unseen realm literally uh, has control over is a higher reality, is a stronger influencing force in the earth. You speak to that rock. Don't even worry about the flesh. I'm going to show you something here. Flesh means nothing. Everything can, can be maneuvered, can be adjusted, can be altered, can be changed, can be rearranged because the word has preeminence. The, before there is a thing, there is a word. He's trying to get this over in, into Moses's heart. The things that are seen are not made of things which are visible. Remember that? John 1, Hebrews 11, 3. He's, he, he's trying to get him, and, and this was the most important test that he had to pass before he could lead all those people into the promised land. You've got to understand, Moses, hello, that uh, to get over into that place, that place requires operations of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You can stay out here in the wilderness and uh, kind of shuffle around in your own strength. But to get over into there, and listen, friends, our work, our your work and my work, we are in a, uh, 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 we're in, um, I'm trying to get the words here. We are in the part of the plan that requires spiritual demonstrations only. There is little tolerance. There is no tolerance now for the lusts of the flesh to still be considered. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit is going to help us with this. It's, it's going to be a fast track, fast track. Uh, he are, we are going to develop spiritually very quickly. Hallelujah. Now, I said this, that the soul plays an integral part because it is a derivative of either a dominant, strong, and mature spirit or a carnal, fleshly, and sense-dominated body or flesh. I say derivative because the word derivative means something that is based upon another source. Uh, a derivative is something that is based upon another source. The soul is a derivative of either a strong spirit or a flesh-dominated lifestyle. Um, it's a derivative, again, because the spirit of life, or uh, John brings this thought here, John 1, he, he said um, there was life and light. Okay, so uh, the spirit of life and light, light being development, dwells in our spirit and not in our mind. Okay, your mind wasn't the part of you that was born again. Your spirit is. Okay, your soul 
uh, or your mind, oh, I'm getting a phone call. Your soul or your mind is a recipient of the revelation that is lit up inside your spirit because of Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Um, let's see here. Let's get uh, let's get scripture on it, and I'll show this to you here. Romans chapter seven, verse five. Romans seven five. Why don't you turn there if you got your Bibles or look it up on your phones or tablets or whatever. Romans seven five. I love this passage. For the longest time, it was difficult. Um, I didn't have light. I didn't have understanding on it. But um, hallelujah, the Lord just op has opened it up as he will to you as well. Um, Romans 7, and while you're turning there, let me say this. So the law of the mind, we see that mentioned in Romans 7. Paul says he, he sees a something in his members. And uh, then he said, I see another law. And he said, this law... Uh, wars against or fights against the law of my mind. So here we have this idea of the law of the mind, okay? So the law of the mind or the soul becomes an indicator of whether you are dominated by the new life in the spirit or dominated by the flesh. The soul or the mind in, in particularly and the will becomes an indicator uh, of whether or not you are spirit-led or flesh-dominated, okay? If we were to take an inventory, we could easy we can easily inventory folk. We're not judging them, but we can we can easily inventory them. Uh, you can inventory yourself. You can find out, you know. And if you're going to put it in percentages, if you're going to just take like you know 30 days for example, and you could begin to weigh out, you know, parse out, and what have what has my thought life been? Has it been on things of the flesh? Has it been on uh, you know, the fruits of the flesh, you can go in there. Reveries, uh, drunkenness, arguments, witchcraft, sorceries, ambitions, I, you know, I, all the works of the flesh. Ha, has your mind been dominated by selfish ambitions, envyings? Uh, has, have, have you been dominated by strife? Have you been dominated by jealousy? Have you been dom dominated by impure uh, or perverse thoughts? Um, the mind, if if, if you can objectively look at it or get somebody else to, it's an indicator. Or as like the Bible admonishes, think on these things, whatever's true, whatever just, whatever is pure, set your mind on things above. The Bible says, have this mind, the mind that was in Christ, have this mind. So you can, you, you can kind of gauge yourself if you are uh, more fleshly and carnal or are you more spirit dominated? Romans 7, 5, it says, for those who are, watch this, according to the flesh, they are controlled by its unholy desires, watch this, and set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Again, the soul part of you is a derivative, okay? It's an indicator, all right? He goes on to say, Romans 7, 5, but those who are, are according to, okay, or follow after the Spirit. Now, it uses a capital S here. I'm saying it's a lowercase s because it's speaking about your born-again spirit. Are controlled by the desires of their spirit. They set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Spirit. Now, the Amplified adds for clarity, Holy Spirit, because that's the assumption but the comparison isn't being made between you and Holy Spirit. The comparison is being made between 
your flesh and your spirit. So again, right here is an easy indicator. If you're honest and objective, um, and maybe you're not, and so you need some somebody who is to help you, but you can just take a simple inventory. You can find out uh, if you're more spirit-led, spirit-dominated, or more flesh, carnal, or body-led. Again, if you're born again, but are dominated by the flesh, here's the condition that you're in. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but you know we don't need to waste any more time. If you're born again, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. One way you know that you've passed from death into life is love for the brethren. Okay? So if you know you're born again, you are not questioning your salvation. You believed in your heart and you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have renounced your hold and connection and relationship with the world and the devil. And there is a love on the inside of you that was foreign to you. Well, you're born again, friend. Okay, now, if you're born again, but you are still dominated by the flesh. I mean, you know, if we were to go over, go over there in Galatians 5 and look at that list and we find you in a lot of those activities on a regular basis, then here's your, let me locate you. You're born again, so stop letting the devil beat you up over that. But you're immature spiritually, and there's a good chance that you have an underdeveloped spirit. There's a good chance you should be further along than what you are, but either you didn't know or you didn't want to. Uh, you didn't know. Let's say you just didn't know. You didn't know how to develop your spirit, man. You didn't know how to intentionally feed it. You know, you just thought it was automatic. Um, you know, e even your natural body, I would say there's a degree of some automation there. But if you don't eat food and drink water and, you know, make sure that you've got minerals and nutrients and vitamins and different things, guess what? Your physical growth, I'm, I'm talking about the natural part of you, it's going to be stunted. You could, you could literally starve yourself to death um, or you're not going you're, you're, you're to fill out uh, if you don't make sure that your body is getting the appropriate nutrients, substances, food, water, etc. Same way with your spirit. Your spirit has to be intentionally fed or it just won't develop. Look at this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, people don't realize uh, how uh, they can be intentional, like to their own advantage. And uh, I was at this men's meeting. I did this. Um, I was invited to be one of the speakers at a, at a, a, a men's meeting. And the Lord had me uh, address them concerning reading the scriptures. And uh, now I like to read. I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning. But that wasn't always the case. That is developed. And uh, I'm going to say that for most people, that is, uh, for most men, that reading is um, somewhat difficult. Um, you know, and in particularly, gosh, this last generation, I, I mean, they're graduating high school and they can barely read. They can barely write. Uh, that's a strategy of the devil against an entire generation to keep them ignorant. And, uh, but in my experience, and maybe you're in a different place and you have a different experience, but in my experience, 
the majority of the men that I come across really struggle with reading. And it's not that it's not necessarily that they don't read well, although that is the case. It's just they don't really have a desire to, you know, they're a little more hands on, you know, they want to be out in nature and do this and that. Well, I mean, yes, but I had to develop a discipline. Uh, I had to develop um, a love of learning. And then I had to develop uh, the, uh, the appropriate desire to, to read or research or whatever that, will, that would support learning and increasing my knowledge and understanding in certain things. And so that hasn't always been the case with me. And I did struggle, um, you know, a little bit, you know, maybe like in junior, junior high, I just struggled a little bit with reading. There was a lot of things going on. But, uh, but I enjoy reading now. Now, so when I was at this men's meeting, the Lord had me address that. And here's what the Lord said. He said, if you'll see it like this, he said, it's less about the reading and more about the feeding. When you, when, when you think of, this, of, of the script, scriptures, listen, don't think of it in terms of I've got to sit down and read ink on paper. That's not, that's not the whole of what's happening. The Bible says, let me give you this scripture and then I'll finish explaining. First Peter chapter two, verse two, it says, as newborn babes. Now, if, if you got your Bible, here's what I encourage you to do. Scratch out the word babe and write the word spirit there. As newborn spirits. Listen, Jesus said, you got to be born again. He's not talking about your, your natural birth. He's not talking about you literally being born uh, from your mother's womb. Okay, that, that, that was a birth that you experienced, but no, he's talking about being born again. As newborn spirits, that which is born of the spirit of spirit, as newborn spirits, listen, they desire, it's innate, just like a literal physical baby, it begins to cry out for what? Milk. So, so it can grow. You've got to get milk to that baby. Nobody questions that. Nobody second guesses that. What we don't understand and what we don't apply this to is that when you were born again, there's something in you, 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 you crave. Why? Because your spirit is letting you know, I need to grow and develop. Well, what do, what do or what does a spirit uh, feast on, feed on? How does a spirit grow? By the word. First Peter tells us you're born of the word. So you desire, come on, the word to grow. You're born of the word. You need the word to grow. So as newborn spirits desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What, how do you grow? How do you grow thereby? The word. The word is how you grow thereby. So listen, when you approach the Bible, it can't be, uh, uh, looked at through the lens of the flesh. Your flesh just says, I don't read well. Your flesh says, I don't like to read. Your flesh says, um, I would rather be outside. Your flesh says, I'd rather uh, watch my phone. Your flesh says, I'd rather be entertained. By the way, entertainment uh, means to be trapped in between two spaces, all right? So you need to rethink the kind of entertainment. Uh, it could be trapping you. It could be throttling you. It could be restricting you. Uh, it could be keeping you from growing or going on into the next season or next stage of your life. It could be holding you between uh, two seasons. You got to be really watchful about entertainment. It's entrapment is uh, literally what the word means. But as a spirit 
You desire word. You grow by the word. So it's less about reading, more about feeding. You got to get over the flesh. You got to get over that hesitation of, of the flesh. And when you get into the word, you are literally feeding your spirit. You're feeding your spirit, feeding that spirit, man. Less about reading, more about the feeding. All right. Hallelujah. What time is it? 48 minutes. All right. I think I'm going to leave you there. Praise the Lord. So develop, be intentional. If you have had no plans, if you've had no goals, if you've not even considered or thought about this, I want you to give yourself to thinking about this. You need to be intentional about developing your spirit. Come out of being flesh dominated. Come out of being flesh led and shift over, friends. Shift over into being spirit led. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for tuning in with me today. I hope that helped you. Hallelujah. If you got any questions, send me an email. Hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. I'd be glad to answer any questions you have, or we can agree with you in prayer. It'd be our honor to do that as well. You can, of course, send an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv, or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. I want to give a big shout out to those folks, those precious folks who have supported the podcast financially in some way. I want to say thank you. There is some some costs associated, and your gifts help to keep the podcast out there. Hallelujah. Whatever you give is, um, uh, you can get a tax receipt. Praise the Lord. Uh, several ways that you can participate with others is uh, on the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Two, one, follow the prompts. Or, of course, you can snail mail at P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Hallelujah. Again, friends, I thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Share it with somebody that you know it would strengthen, encourage, or bless them in some way. And until next time, friends, be blessed.